your host, along with my wonderful wife, Janet. And today we will, as our Thursday episode, this is a, a special edition, not really a special edition anymore because we are going to start having a podcast every Thursday now. And one of the things with what's going on now with all the lockdown, the shutdown, it's really created a, a lot of opportunity for those of us that want to take advantage of this. And I've been wanting to do, you know, as you know, Health Solutions has been doing a, a weekly radio show slash podcast every Monday at AM 1470 on the KBSN um, station in Moses Lake. We've been doing that since October. I think we're on episode 32 with a couple other extra ex episodes sprinkled in there for bonuses. Um, and what this has done is it's allowed me to to sit back and say, you know what, I've been wanting to do a second weekly show so this has been a perfect opportunity to to implement that program and we are going to keep doing a weekly show here every thursday at 2 p.m the time might change but we're going to try to keep it on thursdays um, we're going to talk about different subjects uh, every week and we are going to um, also be accepting live callers here pretty soon um, we're working on that hopefully next week i'll i'll have i'll have that worked out um, which will be super cool. Got some new equipment in, and it, for those of you that don't know, I'm kind of an audiophile guy. I, I love sound stuff, and I love to talk sound stuff I and um, be kind of geeky with that kind of stuff ever since I was a teenager. And just got a new soundboard yesterday to um, always try to improve our audio, and hopefully that's going to help. There's a lot of cool features on it, and we're going to take advantage of those. Um, we're also going to be using multiple cameras in the future so we can have... Um, you know, different people at different locations. Um, so stay tuned for that um, over the next couple of weeks. So today, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about the history of our show. So health solutions, what, what do we talk about? We talk about everything healthcare. We talk about everything from, from diet to exercise to, um, you know, hormone replacement to, you know, we've talked about immunity. We've talked about stress, um, you know, um, and that's, and we also talk about other things that are related to healthcare. As you guys know, I, I have written a book. It was a number one seller on Amazon. Um, back in December, we released it. And um, it's called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. Um, my, my belief is that I think a lot of the things that are wrong with our healthcare system, the government actually has created. And I think also... You can see that going on today. Um, a lot of the panic, I think, with the COVID-19 is is been created by the government and our media. I am not saying to, to, to not listen to what our government is telling us with, with shutdowns and, 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 and other other things, but I um, I think there's might be a little bit of overreaction. And I think then in the future, as per usual, the government's going to try to come in and, and save us. And I think in reality, we have to save ourselves. And that is one of the things we talk about here. We've talked about immune, um, immune health over the last few weeks, and we've talked about things you can do to keep your immune system strong. And I think that's the most important thing during these times is to keep your immune system strong. Um, and hopefully we can you know, get the economy going as soon as possible. One thing that we're offering at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, we are working with another clinic we're working with a clinic to do blood draws here on site at the pharmacy for COVID-19 antibody testing. What does that mean? And by the way, I am not an expert at all about this. Um, I am learning as we go. 
Um, you know, I did learn about the immune system in pharmacy school and antibodies and antigens and things like that and how viruses react. And um, the reality of it is, my opinion is, is that this virus is going to eventually reach everybody. That's what viruses do. They spread across the entire world. It's going to reach everybody. So we do not have a vaccine yet. Um, my guess is a vaccine is well over a year out. Um, I think the way the world works is the virus is going to spread faster than that over the, um, over the entire world before that year is up. So there is an argument to be made that really social distancing healthy people might actually just prolong the pandemic because eventually everybody needs to be exposed. And if you think about it, that's kind of what a vaccine does is it exposes healthy people and some unhealthy people to an attenuated um, virus, which is a, a dead virus, so to speak. Um, and it gives, um, and then it, it, it stimulates a person's antibody, a person's immune system to produce antibodies to that virus. And there's usually a certain protein section in that virus that causes the immune system to do that. So that's how a vaccine works. That's what our immune system sees when we see a small amount of disease. So you could make an argument that having healthy people stay home um, actually is prolonging the problem. And really having healthy people spread the disease among healthy people, um, it's called herd immunity. And again, I am not promoting this. I am just giving other ideas. Um, it's called herd immunity. Um, that might actually be the way to kind of, in some ways, vaccinate the entire population because that's really what a vaccine does in, in a sense. Now, I am not promoting that. I am just giving other, other ideas um, for that. And so at the pharmacy, we are offering, hopefully next week, we are offering testing for COVID-19 antibodies. And uh, we will be... There'll be a clinic on site. They'll be drawing blood and they'll be sending off the test. It's, I'm not going to get into too much of the science because honestly, I don't know a lot about the science, but it has a way to predict um, exposure um, based on, based on your, your time of exposure, which could be anywhere from, I, I think it's um, IgA and IgG antibodies, um, and it's it's 10 days to, to months out. So it just depends on the time you were exposed. That's what this test can predict. So imagine if we are able to um, show how many people have been exposed and possibly immune to to the COVID-19. That's, that's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us to spread the word so we can decide that we can maybe move on with Facebook. you. So we're going to talk about vitamin D today, which we've talked about before. I've talked about it many times. I'm going to continue to talk about vitamin D because I think if there is one supplement you can take, vitamin D is the most important supplement, okay? Um, so vitamin D, for one, it, why, is it so, why, is, why does it do so much stuff? Why is it so important? It's got a cholesterol backbone. I know cholesterol gets vilified in today's world, but cholesterol is very, very important. Without cholesterol, we will die. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, you know, cholesterol is in every cell in the body, so it's a very, very important, important supplement. Um, I mean, important, important molecule that many things are made out of, including hormones, including vitamin D. Vitamin D in cell, itself is actually a hormone. That's why it does so much in the body. It does more than just build bone. It does a lot more things. We'll get into that a little bit later. How is vitamin D made? 
Vitamin D is made in, in the skin in response to sunlight. UVB rays, which UVB rays are the ones that cause skin cancer. Um, vitamin, C, vitamin D is fat-soluble, so we have to worry about toxicity, correct? Well, yes and no. Of course, we do have to worry about toxicity, but I will tell you, in pharmacy school, I learned that 400 units of vitamin D was all some, a day was all somebody needed, and anything more than that could cause toxicity. Well, that was 20-some years ago, and we have since realized that that is not enough vitamin D. So um, most of the recommendations is between five and 10,000 units a day to get into the optimal range. I'll get into the more of that later. Um, it's absorbed in the, in the intestinal tract in the gut. That is if you have a healthy gut. So if somebody's on PPIs or strong antacid medications, PPIs like Prevacid, Prilosec, those are generics. They're available over the counter. Um, any kind of antacid that makes our, our stomachs um, have a less, less acidity, then it is going to decrease absorption of vitamin D. That's one of the reasons I don't recommend PPIs long-term. And if you look at the, the PPI package insert, they're recommended that you don't use them over six weeks although patients have been on them for years. Remember, we've talked about gut health here. Um, if, our health, if our gut is not healthy, then we cannot absorb the nutrients from our food and our supplements. So very, very important to have a healthy gut, first and foremost. Sunlight. So UVB rays is where, is where vitamin D is made. We use sunscreen to prevent UVB rays from causing skin cancer. So that being said, um, when we go outside and we... Um, put on sunscreen, we negate vitamin D production, okay? So what are we told to do when we go outside? We're told to either wear sleeves or we're told to um, use vitamin, use, use sunscreen. When we do that, we stop vitamin D production. Now, speaking of dosing of vitamin D, here's what's really, really interesting about vitamin D when we think about dosing. So five to 10,000 units is a, is a dose that usually will get patients into an optimal range. Not a normal range, but an optimal range. Let's say we go out in the sun and we're completely naked. Uh, if we were out in the sun for 20 to 30 minutes, we would produce 20 to 30,000 units of vitamin D, okay? So to think that we could overdose on 10,000 units of vitamin D once a day is probably, probably a little bit crazy. So that's why I like to tell that story because um, I think we're getting better at realizing that, you know, we need to uh, dose vitamin D more aggressively, but it hasn't there's still some people that have had some, um, you know, some some reservation about being more conservative with dosing, but you know, like 400 to 1,000 units a day, which is not enough to get optimal. So, so dietary. There's some dietary sources of vitamin D. Milk. We'll get into that a little bit later. Orange juice, salmon, but. There, there's really not that much vitamin D in those unless you eat lots of them, okay? Um, what about vitamin D2? There's a lot of supplements out there that are vitamin D2. Let me tell you, vitamin D2 is not the active form of vitamin D. It has to be converted to vitamin D3, okay? Vitamin D3 is the active form of vitamin D. Um, it's also called cholecalciferol. Well, there's a few slides in here about the pathway of how vitamin D is, is produced and converted in our body and the kidneys and the liver. I'm not going to get into that that much. Um, just kind of um, just let you know that vitamin D3 is cholecalciferol. If you're going to take vitamin D, make sure it's vitamin D3, cholecalciferol, not ergocalciferol. Um, there's the active form. It's converted in our bodies to 125 um, hydroxy vitamin D3. That has a pretty short half-life. 
So it only lasts five to eight hours. That's the active form. The um, the the one we check in the body when we check levels of vitamin D is hydroxy twenty five hydroxy vitamin D three, which has a half life of of of, of several um, months, um, at least nineteen days. So that's the one we usually check because it's um, the most readily available in the body. Um, so when when we when you get checked for vitamin D, make sure it's a twenty five hydroxy vitamin D three. Um, do not do not worry about the 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 one twenty five hydroxy vitamin D three is not as accurate because it has a short half life. So vitamin D three is measured in units, and I have a little conversion chart in here units to milligrams. I will tell you. As a pharmacist, even as a pharmacist, I get confused with units and milligrams. I wish it was easier to explain, but it's really not. Just remember, don't necessarily worry about you know the unit to milligram conversion. Just realize that most of the time, patients need between five and ten thousand units of vitamin D um, a day. So, and what is a normal level of twenty-five hydroxy vitamin D three? A normal level is anything greater than thirty-two. Uh, and let's not worry about the units. Um, usually it's in nanograms per mil, so we'll talk about that. But normal level is usually 30 to 100. Um, but remember, what's normal is, is not always optimal. So normal is 32, but patients seem to do better at levels above 60. So make sure you're at an optimal level above 60 with vitamin D3. That usually is, means you need a dose between five and 10,000 units a day. So what are some diseases that vitamin D is linked to? Osteoporosis. That's That one is pretty common knowledge. We think about vitamin D taking um, calcium into the bones. We think about that all the time. So, in, and everybody's taught that, you know, whether in any kind of medical school or pharmacy school, that's what we're taught. But there's a lot of other things that vitamin D deficiency is linked to. Um, inflammatory bowel disease, infertility, multiple sclerosis, breast cancer, prostate cancer, depression. Remember, vitamin D is a hormone in itself. That's why it does so much. So think about the, the depression. Um, we, you guys have heard of the term winter blues. You know, that's one of the reasons that there's some thought that we get winter blues is because we have less vitamin D because we're not out in the sun um, getting vitamin D produced in our skin. A chronic pain, hypothyroidism, vitamin D helps to support thyroid function. That's why we're talking about them together today. Here's one of the things about it. So it's underdiagnosed in, in, in who? Well, a lot of people. And let me tell you this. I will tell you this, that most patients in northern latitudes, like in Washington State where we're at, we're in northern latitudes, which means the sun does not hit us directly like it would at the equator. So even if we are out in the sun... Um, enough, and we don't use sunscreen, and we don't cover up or use use sleeves, we still are not getting the direct sun rays like we would at the equator. That being said, most of us aren't out in the sun enough anyway, so I usually don't tell patients to stop taking vitamin D in the summer. I know some practitioners do. I think most patients still need it in the summer because most of us just don't get out in the sun enough uh, or exposed enough to get enough vitamin D. But there's some other other undiagnosed problems in, in, in who, you know, inpatients, obviously, in nursing homes and institutions, senior citizens, kids. You'd be surprised how many kids have low vitamin D and how many problems that can be associated with. Um, infertility, um, epileptics, the, the list goes on. So um, how do we treat it? So we already talked a little bit about 5,000, 10,000 units a day. I didn't 
I didn't elaborate on and how to dose that, but that would be orally. That's an oral dose. That's the most common way. There is injectable vitamin Ds. There's transdermal vitamin Ds. There's analogs of vitamin D. Um, tanning, I don't necessarily recommend that, and I probably no dermatologist would. Um, diet, but let's talk about dietary sources. There's 100 units of vitamin D in a glass of vitamin D fortified milk. Okay, so that means you would need 50 glasses in order to have enough vitamin D just to be in the optimal range. And think about think about that's what that's going to do with your calories. That's a lot of calories already. So, but milk doesn't have as much vitamin D as as we would like to as to to get us in optimal levels normally. So. Here's what you got to be careful with, with vitamin D. A lot of patients will say, well, my multivitamin has vitamin D or my calcium has vitamin D. And normally a calcium supplement has like 400 units of vitamin D. Same thing with a multivitamin. Because that's, there's really not a US RDA of vitamin D, but that's kind of what the common dose of vitamin D is, is 400 units. Um, there's a lot of vitamin D strengths out there that are, four, that are 1,000 units. So if you have one of those 1,000 units, really you should be taking five of those a day. But there are ways to get supplements that have 5,000 units a day. Um, my favorite dosing is actually 50,000 units once a week. Now, why do I say once a week? Well, remember we talked about the long half-life of 25-hydroxyvitamin D? Um, so that means you don't have to take vitamin D once a week because it has a long half-life or, or once, once a day because it has a long half-life. So I like once a week dosing. 50,000 units once a week actually ends up being about 7,200 units a day, which is right in the middle of five to 10,000 units. I like 50,000 units because it's also very inexpensive. Um, you're talking like $15 for a 15-week um, a supply. So very, very, very affordable. Um, just to let you know, there are some prescription-type vitamin Ds out there. They're usually vitamin D2s. They're the analogs. They've been created. They have been, um, they have been shown to maybe cause more toxicities than the vitamin D3s. So that's why I say it's important to get vitamin D3. And vitamin D3 is the active form of vitamin D. So why would you take vitamin D? D2. I have some slides on there about some of the prescription stuff. Um, again, I'm a big believer in the over-the-counter stuff because it's much less expensive also. Um, and let's talk about toxicity with vitamin D. There's been studies in Canada to show that even doses of 40,000 units a day of vitamin D, I am not recommending that, um, have not, have, uh, vitamin D3 have, have been, have not been shown to cause side effects. So, um, you know, I think vitamin D, if dosed appropriately, can be can be very safe. And I will tell you, there's a patient that I know, one of our patients in Alaska, and I was, you know, almost dumbfounded when she said this, but she has to take 50,000 units once a day of vitamin D to be in an optimal level. Now, remember, she lives in Alaska, and that's in the winter when she takes that. So she's getting no sunlight whatsoever. So, and she might have an absorption issue. I'm not sure about that, but um, either way, whatever works, that's why it's important to monitor also. And being, and, and, and when monitoring, make sure you check the right, the right 25-hydroxyvitamin D, and um, also make sure your levels are optimal. So if there's any more questions about vitamin D, you know, please, uh, you know, hit, 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 hit us up in the, in the comments, in the notes. And um, again, if there's one supplement you can take, I think it's vitamin D3 because it has more bang for your buck. Everybody is low and it does so much. So uh, vitamin D3, very important. 
So let's talk about thyroid. I talked about how vitamin D3 actually helps support thyroid function. So there's two, there's two different thyroid hormones. There's levothyroxine, which is also called T4, and there's lyothyronine, which is also called T3, okay? And the, really, the, the difference is iodine molecules. They're simple molecules. They're L-tyrosine, which is an amino acid, and iodine. T4 has four iodines. T3 has three iodines. Let's talk about synthetic versus natural versus bioidentical. Okay, synthetic. We, you know, synthetic gets talked about as being bad. Well, I don't want anything, anything synthetic. Well, let me tell you about thyroid. So thyroid, because it's a pretty simple molecule, is actually synthesized in a laboratory. It, but it's synthesized in a laboratory to be bioidentical. What is bioidentical? Bio meaning life, identical identical to our bodies. So yes, levothyroxine, lyothyronine are synthetic. They are synthetic, but they are bioidentical. They're an exact copy of what's in our body, what's, what our body's producing. We just don't produce enough of it anymore. So what is natural? Um, natural could mean many things. Let's talk about it with thyroid. Natural thyroid, also known as nature thyroid or armor, armor, thyroid, armor thyroid, is porcine thyroid, which literally is ground-up pig's gland, ground-up pig's thyroid, and it's, it's standardized to a fixed ratio of 38 micrograms of T4 and 9 micrograms of T3. I won't bore you with too much of the science there, but that's a fixed ratio. And I'm not saying that porcine thyroid is bad. It's been around for almost 100 years now, and it works great for a lot of patients. And I think for patients that levothyroxine alone doesn't work, I think is a great alternative. So, but armor thyroid, porcine thyroid is natural. There's no doubt about it. It is natural, but it is not bioidentical. It does not have the same, there are things in there that are not natural to our body because it's ground up pig thyroid. Again, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I'm just saying that it is natural, but not necessarily bioidentical. Whereas levothyroxine and lyothyronine plain are bioidentical. So what are some low thyroid symptoms? Depression, weight gain, hair loss, decreased libido, brittle nails, constipation, increased sensitivity to cold, fatigue, and high cholesterol. Why do I say high cholesterol? Because how many patients get high cholesterol in their 40s or 50s? Their cholesterol has been fine for the first 35 years of their life, and now all of a sudden they have high cholesterol. So the first thing that happens is they go on a cholesterol medication, and um, a cholesterol-lowering medication, when in reality they might not have optimal thyroid. Um, thyroid, it's a known fact that optimal thyroid function helps to decrease your cholesterol levels. So make sure, anybody that's on a, thyroid, um, a cholesterol medication, make sure that your thyroid is optimal. We're going to get into some more, more things about how thyroid is optimal. So we have two, th two different thyroid hormones that, that we know of. I mean, there's actually four of them that we know of, but T4 and T3 are the most important. T3 is the more active form of thyroid. It is more active than T4. Most patients are on levothyroxine, levothyroxine only. Levothyroxine only. Levothyroxine, T, uh, also known as Synthroid, the brand name, um, was the most popular prescribed drug in 2016. Very, very popular. And most patients respond to it just fine. Um, but there are a subset of patients and a lot of the ones that fall through the cracks we end up seeing um, that do not respond. Their thyroid numbers look fine, but they don't feel good. So why is that? 
Well, their T4, levothyroxine, is not converting to T3, which is the active form of thyroid. Um, why is that? There's many different reasons why. It could be nutrient, nutrient deficiencies from lack of selenium, lack of iron, lack of vitamins. Um, many medications can cause that. Um, estrogen, birth control, prednisones um, can cause that. Um, so, but there's some other reasons too that their thyroid might not be working optimally, even though their numbers look good. It could be not just a conversion. They could have increased protein binding, which means their thyroid, they have enough thyroid floating around, but it's bound to proteins and not working at the receptor site. Um, there's some other things, Hashimoto's disease, um, your body produces antibodies to your thyroid gland. Um, those are sometimes patients that um, porcine thyroid, like armor and nature thyroid, don't work the best for because they... It's a foreign substance already in their body, so they produce a, an immune response to that. So it's important to find out what your T4 and T3 level is. Um, other factors that affect it, aging, alcohol, stress. During these times, we always talk about stress. Cortisol can definitely negatively affect your thyroid gland. So what should we test when we test for thyroid? The gold standard for endocrinologists and, and most any primary care doctors, the gold standard is TSH. Thyroid stimulating hormone is the gold standard. And it is not thyroid hormone. It's a pituitary hormone. It is a hormone in our pituitary that tells our thyroid gland to make thyroid. And I think it's a good, um, you know, maybe a good screening test to start with. I don't know if it's a good way, to, the best way to monitor thyroid. I understand it's the gold standard, but let's realize that when we had thyroid, Armour Thyroid's been on the market since, you know, for almost 100 years. And back then, we didn't have any way to test thyroid function. The only way we tested thyroid was we did a physical, we did an exam, and we asked them about symptoms and history. We palpated the thyroid to see if they had goiter. And if they had low thyroid symptoms, they would, give them, they would be given a trial of thyroid and they would see how they would respond. If they don't have side effects and they feel better, then they stay on thyroid. So let's remember this, that tests are a tool to go along with symptoms and history. And they are a small snapshot in time anyways. So it's important to know the overall picture of the patient before we make any decision on, on how to reach an optimal thyroid um, function. So TSH is, I, I recommend that because it is the gold standard, but more importantly, I recommend free T4 and free T3. Remember, free T3 is the active form of thyroid. It's the most important. If your free T3 is low, your, your TSH might be um, normal, and, but you don't feel good. It might be because your free T3 is not optimal. So it's important to get your free T3 level checked and and you might need free T3. You might need free T3 only or a combination of free T4 and free T3. There are a lot of patients that will not do well on levothyroxine alone. That is that is very, very common. Um, TPO and reverse T3, For I won't get much into that, but it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Reverse T3 is actually, T3 can be converted into reverse T3, and that's actually a hibernation form of of thyroid. It's high in mammals that hibernate. So like bears in the winter, they have high reverse T3. It's interesting. It's a very expensive test. Um, so I just recommend free T3 normally because the treatment's the same. Honestly, you give more T3 and you support with other lifestyle changes. So um, I just had a couple of slides in there. 
you know, a lot of the thyroid hormone is bound to what I was calling proteins. So it's thyroid binding globulin, TPG. And if that is bound to a, thi- to a protein, it won't work at the receptor site. So that's why it's important to have free T3 and free T4 levels so you know how it's working at the receptor site. Um, and I already went into a lot of this already. There's some slides in here which we will share um, in the show notes. I think the important thing, that the important takeaway is, is that, you know, labs, and it, whether it's thyroids or whether it's hormones or whether it's cholesterol for that matter, they're a tool to go along with other things, other other symptoms and other histories. It's, they're not black and white. Cholesterol is a perfect example. Although I don't, I don't think in the in in the traditional medical world, I don't think we treat it as a good example. Um, you know, your cholesterol is fine if it's two hundred, but all of a sudden if it's two hundred one, then you need to go on medication. I think that without knowing many other things about your history, I don't think that that's a very good way to treat patients. So, um, I talked about a little bit about the commercially available thyroid, um, Armour thyroid, and levothyroxine synthroid. Let me tell you about Cytomel, though. Cytomel is a brand name of lyothyronine, which is T3. What is the problem with Cytomel? Um, I, I, it, not necessarily a problem, but T3 has a short half-life. It has a half-life from anywhere to two hours to six hours, depending on the patient. So that means if you take lyothyronine, um, commercially available Cytomel, it will wear off within two to four hours. So really, if you want to have enough thyroid in the afternoon, you have to um, take a second dose. That's kind of the same thing with armor thyroid also. And that's why some practitioners will have you take Cytomel twice a day or armor thyroid twice a day because it's not sustained release. And remember how our thyroid produces hormones. Our thyroid doesn't produce hormones all at once in the morning. Um, It produces hormones throughout the day. So I think if you have a slow release formulation, it more mimics how your body produces thyroid itself. That's what's beautiful about how what we do at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy is we can compound a thyroid hormone. We can compound levothyroxine and lyothyronine in one capsule in a sustained release capsule. It is bioidentical. It is synthetic, but it is bioidentical, and it doesn't have any kind of porcine um, products in it, it um, So and it's slow release. So it more mimics how the body produces thyroid. A common dose in a compounded capsule is 50 microgram of T4 and 10 micrograms of T3, which is kind of equivalent to one gram of armor or 100 micrograms of, of levothyroxine. I, I put some of the suggestions in there for for autoimmune response for, for thyroid. I think what's important is that diet is so important when it comes to thyroid. And let's just mention iodine. Iodine, you can get too much or too little iodine to um, cause thyroid problems. So realize that, you know, work with somebody that really knows what they're doing when it comes to dosing iodine. And and minerals are so important and, and diet is so important when it comes to thyroid. And um, exercises too because if you lose weight um, and you exercise, you will need more or less thyroid depending on that. So um, thyroid is probably, I can tell you this, with um, thyroid – is probably one of the most important hormones when it comes to um, symptoms that we treat at, at the pharmacy or we see at the pharmacy. And so many patients don't have an optimal thyroid. I think it's important to work with a provider that knows about dosing of thyroid and knows how to dose it optimally uh, and knows the things I was talking about with TSH, TSH and things like that. So that is it, all we have for the on the show today. I hope you enjoyed that quick 
episode of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. And as always, we will be streaming Monday at the AM 1470 KBSN studio in Moses Lake, 1 to 2 p.m. Listen to us. Uh, Monday, we have Amy Duda, who is a personal trainer out of Las Vegas, and she's going to tell us about her weight loss journey. She went from 234 pounds to 140 pounds, I think, and she looks amazing, and she wants to tell us her story, and now she's inspired others because she's a personal trainer. So tune in Monday, 1 to 2 p.m., Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Bye.